2: This is The Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan, Fat Fingers Day. I accidentally touched a button on the keyboard and basically shut everything down here on 560. The Joe WQAM IT has been scrambling. My man Tree and Eddie Herrera, they made it happen, so we are back. Not wasting any more time, though. Let's get... Straight into it, on the way the Joe Rose Show, talking to the U's. Recruiter extraordinaire Andy Vaughn. Fascinating. You'll definitely want to hear that in a couple of minutes. Dan Lebatard talking about the NBA bubble whores. Then Hawk and Crowder. Minus Crowder plus Dono. The Marlins are back. Let's get back on track with some headlines. Despite not releasing coronavirus testing numbers, the Hurricanes athletic department fully expects the football season to start as planned September 5th. Former heat guard Tyler Johnson has agreed to terms with the Nets while Lakers guard Avery Bradley will not play out the season, citing family safety. The FBI has discovered that the news found in Bubba Wallace's NASCAR garage was accidentally placed there a year ago and just never removed. They will continue to investigate. West Palm native Brooks Kepka has pulled out of this weekend's Traveler's Championship after his caddy tested positive for coronavirus. Ben Roethlisberger says his faith saved him from past addictions to alcohol and pornography The QB was rebaptized three years ago. This year's New York City Marathon has been canceled. This is the second time in a decade that the race has been scrapped. And now, whew, let's do it. Let's step into the day spa. (sighs) A Chinese man's bladder exploded after drinking 10 beers, not relieving himself, then passing out. Not me. Florida woman is suing her neighbor for goat paternity tests. Get your mind out of the gutter. It's not for her. Rather, she wants the goats tested so she can register them as pedigree goats. Come on. New Jersey officials recently rescued a house cat that was 50 feet up in a tree for three days. Experts are still wondering if the kitty is safer in the tree or living in New Jersey. New pictures of the supposed Loch Ness monster have emerged. Aliens, I'm with you. Still skeptical on Nessie. But I'm coming around, slowly but surely, though. Now on the weather, tonight's forecast. Cloudy with temperatures in the mid-80s. Joe Rose Show, they had a great one this morning, talking to one of the great recruiting coordinators in the nation. And he's right here in Miami at the U, Andy Vaughn. Fascinating stuff about the new age of recruiting. Great verbal commitments to the university. Selling the U to prep stars. Winning the transfer portal. How much stock did they put into those high school star ratings? And... Ed Reed oh he's working
0: director of player personnel for the University of Miami Andy Vaughn gonna join us here for a couple minutes seriously I know you got a lot of stuff
3: going on and zooming everybody out there Uh, what's it been like the new way of recruiting and still communicating with your coaching staff and and everybody and and still trying to figure out who the best players are how difficult has this been
4: you know, it's been a little bit of a shift for us, but it, you know, it we were doing a lot of the same things uh, technology-wise and just background work-wise and all those kind of things. It just made us, I think, a lot more efficient in our time. We've r- relied on technology a little bit more than maybe some of the coaches have been used to in the past. But we've had to rely a lot on film, uh, which been a big thing, obviously, film from last season. So you do miss out on the in-person evals that you're not getting as far as spring practice goes and summer camps. But we've still – it's been really good, you know, I think these – reliance on technology and all this virtual stuff has played into our staff strengths a lot, you know, especially with some of the new guys coming into the program, Coach Lashley, Coach Likens, Coach Justice. Those guys have some great personalities. They're really genuine guys, and that shows once you spend some time with them. And I think that's come across very quickly to all the recruits and the families that we've got to spend time with because you're forced to get a lot of one-on-one time with these Zoom calls and phone calls and those kind of things. So I think it's played into our hands and been really good in a lot of ways and helped us be more efficient and effective in what we're doing
3: there's two parts to the old verbal commitment because right now you got some great ones and i know you can't talk about names so don't worry we're not here to break any ncaa rules with you today but the, the verbal commitments are strong and obviously through the years when the team doesn't play well it makes it a lot more difficult to hold on to them do you feel pretty good about your batch of verbal commitments right now because it's a hell of a group i think we do
4: I think uh and another thing that this this issue is called, you know, the quarantine and all that is... is- kind of helped everybody not just football coaches but everybody kind of refocused and showed us what's important in life and I think that being home and family is big not just for us now but also you know recruits and their families so I think we're seeing a lot of that guys want to stay home after they're kind of seeing the importance of that but we feel good about that you know it's only time will tell you know we've got to show it on the field this year and do the good things that we think we're going to do this season and and I think those guys will will stay home you know I think it's only going to get stronger there's some momentum going in South Florida especially right now. And I think we can build on that. And I think the guys that we have on board right now want to be Canes and they're doing a great job recruiting for us. A lot of times your recruits are your biggest recruiters. And I think those guys are doing an awesome job selling the program and telling other kids why they want to be Hurricanes.
0: Andy, we talk about this a lot on the show also. Uh, normally, when you see one of these top five recruiting classes, top five, you look at the team, the team's record from the season before, they were in a major bowl game, they were 10-2, and 11-1, they went undefeated, maybe they won a national championship. You guys are doing it after uh, a 6-7 and seven season and having a good recruiting class and still getting recruiting classes for the next two years kind of verbally set up. I think that's an amazing feat, what's, what's happening with that. And we talk, like I said, a lot about that, but I can only imagine what it's going to be like if you do have a 10 win season or get to a major bowl game and you get that in the background also because selling to you by itself is obviously working but a winning season and having a team that might be going to a major bowl game that's going to be pretty easy for you to sell too right? Oh no
4: doubt about that And I think again that's a credit to uh, especially the offensive staff that's come in you know they've done an awesome job of selling their vision for the program as far as offense goes and what they're going to look to do and what they're going to try to do this season and I think recruits have have seen that. They've seen the numbers and the success that Coach Likens has had, Coach Lashley's had on offense. And I think that's an easy sell because those guys, you know, see the proof in the numbers. And I believe that they know that with the athletes that we have here at Miami and, and the athletes in South Florida, that it's going to be a great mix and great combination of what we can do going into this season. And like you said, it's only going to get stronger if we can put the results on the field. Whenever Miami's been a winner, you know, it just, it's kind of a snowball effect. So I, I think that'll carry over nicely.
3: Andy, everybody's noticed, again, without saying the names, that this is one of the best jobs in a long time. The University of Miami's done here in their backyard, getting some really good... Again, verbal commitments. Have you noticed what has changed the most? I mean, you, you're obviously going to get some credit for that as well, setting things up, but I, I'm curious, w- help us out on why. I know for we've done so many radio shows through the years. They're not recruiting South Florida. They're not getting the guys, and, you know, it became a, a big issue. What's changed?
4: can't say from a long-term perspective what maybe has been different than the past. I know that there's some of these relationships that are coming to fruition now that these coaches have been working uh, a few years, the guys that have been here. And even the new guys that have come in, like I said, they're genuine guys, a great personality. Those relationships have carried over because we spent a lot of time on Zoom calls and on phone calls with these kids. And I give credit to the to the guys on my staff, David Cooney, Demarcus Van Dyke, Ed Pata. Those guys have done an awesome job. With relationships and communication with these kids and helping the new staff come in and get set up right away. And again, I I give credit to this, this staff as a whole. I I think there's a lot of guys that are just, they have that kind of bulldog mentality. You know, they're not going to give up, you know, no matter what, you know, our record may have been last year or what people are saying about us. You know, I think they all believe in what we can do and what we will do here. And, And they're just translating that vision over to the kids. And it's just that not give up attitude. I think you saw that last year in a lot of the recruits, some of the ones that we pulled that People didn't think we would get those guys. Never gave up, and I think that's just that's the thing that uh, it's helped us out this year. Those guys kind of put the past in the past and moved on, and we're selling these kids what the program is going to be going forward. So
3: uh, help me out on the transfer portal. How, how big is that part of the process now under under your watch? Besides the high school players, but we've seen the transfer portal looks like you got four impact players that could come in and really make a difference this year going forward. Is that going to continue to be a big part of the University of Miami?
4: I think it has to be, uh, you know, just the way the college football evolved and especially as the transfer rules adjust, you know, and who knows what's going to happen when those rules change again next year when they revisit the, the uh, one-time transfer rule, and, you know, I think it's only going to get a little bit crazier, but you know, I think in the past they've done a great job here just finding out what needs you have as far as impact players go. I think they've Proven out, especially like last year with KJ Osborne, you know, a guy that's proved himself somewhere else. He comes in and has a good opportunity to play on that stage. And I think guys see that. I mean, I, I believe other guys are, are looking at that. And if we can find the, the right fit for the position and for the type of guy that we want, I think they can see that we have a good track record of guys coming in and making a one-year impact on the field and improving their status. So I think it's only going to become a, a bigger thing going forward.
0: Virtual recruiting, we talked about that, about the factor on Zoom calls or FaceTime or whatever the case may be. know a lot of people put backgrounds in their zoom calls of maybe space or disney world whatever it is do you just walk outside and show people campus and just say oh yeah i'm just walking around and look how beautiful it is out here like i could just imagine you already have a built-in kind of background when you just walk around miami
4: you know i think some of the coaches that that live down in Brooklyn, you know i I think they go out on their patios a little bit more than than some (laughs) of us and and do that um but we we have to have to be really flexible and innovative if i give credit to our Social media team and some of the guys in our staff, Andrew Rossetti, that have done a great job of building videos and these virtual tours out so that kids can see that because we haven't actually been on campus in a couple months. So they've done a great job of bringing campus to these kids, and it's been incredible just to see the kind of creative stuff that they've been able to develop for us. You know, from the from the comforts of home. So, uh,
3: help me out with the stars. We we follow like everybody else. This guy's a three star. Oh, they get a big four star player. This guy's a five star. That's a you know. How much do you guys follow that that star thing? Because. At the end, whether you guys pay attention or not, they come out with grades for every Division One program. It's, uh, it has the star power behind it. How much do you follow that when you're recruiting?
4: There's tons of services out there that have their own their own viewpoints and evaluations, but I think Coach Diaz has said it many times that we're going to do our own evaluation, and that's what we're going to trust the most. We want to make sure, first of all, that the guy's a that player that's going to fit our profile for our program, and then we're going to look at the athletic ability and judge that for ourselves because there's going to be guys that obviously that are no-brainers, that have all the stars that are going to be good players and they're going to fit with our program. But there's also going to be guys that maybe don't have those stars that maybe we think are really good players that could develop into players in our system. And the, and I think you've seen that, you know, I think uh, Greg Rousseau and those guys, are, guys like him have come into the program and done really well. So I think we're just going to trust ourselves. You know, we've got our own evaluation standards and character standards and athletic standards that we're going to look at and make sure they fit with what we're trying to do. And sometimes the stars don't matter if we think that guy's a, a great, fit for the program.
3: Well, we've had this topic for a long time that that I've talked about uh, a lot. All these high school transfers, uh, Dade Broward in Palm Beach County, it, it comes to over 200. It did a year ago. How do you follow all that stuff? And does it affect your recruiting at all from a guy going from public to private, private to private, private to public? We see it all now.
4: Yeah, you know, again, I credit the guys in the recruiting office for that and some of, that we have on staff and then some of the coaches that have been down here a long time, just being able to keep track of it and having those relationships to know a transfer, transfer is going to happen or it has has happened because that's important to to have relationships and know when it's who the people are going to be around this kid going forward and then it goes back to them having great relationships with the local high school coaches to be able to find out what's going on with the player why did they your transfer, who's going to be involved in the recruiting, all those things, it's important for us to have those relationships, and I think again, David Cooney, Ed Pada, Demarcus Van Dyke have been our, our boots on the ground, knowing when those things are going to happen and why they're happening, and it's it, it has really helped us keep on top of it, because like you said, it can be difficult sometimes, just to find out where a guy is going to be. So
0: Andy, it's got to help that recruiting budget when you can get, jump in your car and hit Dade Broward in Palm Beach and see some of the best high school players in the entire country, and so many of them in such a small area. That's got to be nice uh, coming down here and seeing that when you work at the University of Miami.
4: Absolutely. i said this from the beginning. You're, you're very blessed to uh, be so close to a lot of talent. But it's also difficult in some ways because you got everybody else knows where the talent is and they're going to come down and, and, and try to fight you for it. So, but it is great for us to be able to have those relationships that are close by that we can, we can build over years. So when guys are young, we can continue to build that relationship. And so by the time they get to the junior, senior year, there's been a, a great relationship established because of that close proximity to campus. So it has been awesome so far.
3: Andy, I'm going to let you in on a on a little debate we have on the plane on uh, on Saturday, traveling to Dolphin games with the former players uh and i want to get your take on it i said listen it doesn't matter where you go whether your team is two and ten or ten and two in high school i added some games on it doesn't matter the good the schools will find them if they're good there are no secrets in south florida is that true or false
4: you can find where the guys are now there's there's obviously, like we talked about earlier, the recruiting services are going to let you know about guys a lot earlier, but they, they don't always find everybody. You know, in our job, it's a lot of projection. So a guy may be under the radar, so to speak, uh, at the position he's playing in high school just because of necessity. At the college level he may translate over to something that he hasn't played in high school before. So I think there's those occasions where you really have to dig into it and find guys, but there's so much access to film and camp information and all those kind of things. You know who the athletes are and who the playmakers are. It's just the, it goes back to that projection level. What are you going to project them as? Move it over to the next level and, and the guys that are really good at their jobs are going to be able to say hey, you know, this guy plays this, but I think he can right. can fit, fit us for
3: this. So. I, I know you recruit guys certain ways, and other schools recruit them and tell them these high school guys what they want to hear like hey oh no you're a wide receiver no you're 6'6 and 220 you'll never have to worry about tight end you're as you get bigger you're going to stay a wide receiver if that's what you want is it hard if you know the kid really doesn't want to change positions to be honest with them or is that really important off the bat
4: no i think that's important I, and i think that's uh you got to be honest with the kid and over time you develop those relationships and know what's really important to their their decision making process and being that open and honest i think that's. Uh, that's that's crucial. You give them an opportunity to really play what they fit, think best fits their skill set, but also be realistic, you know, and, and keeping that door open. If, if that's something that you feel strongly about, that they may be able to transition during their time, being open and honest with them and let that be a part of their process. So.
3: Andy, behind the scenes, I think we all want to know this. I know, I know I do. I love this stuff. So, so you sit down with Manny and you go, Manny, I love this guy. I got a feeling about this guy. And Manny goes, I saw him, Andy not crazy about him I think such and such is a better pl- does that happen do, we, do does that take place
4: absolutely it does you know we our system is set up so that the uh, area coach the position coach and coordinators are all on record of watching the kid we watch them as a group and have those discussions definitely as, as a group you know over zoom we've had them over zoom lately but you know in the past they've been in a staff room and, and guys will go back and forth putting their thoughts on the table why i think this guy's a good player and there's some there's some very good uh back and forth on that and, and coach is great about giving those guys an opportunity to voice their opinion and, and why they think a guy is good or bad and we kind of weigh that as a group and, and make the best decision going forward so
3: and then at the end Manny makes final decision
4: the co- Andy the co- and Andy, goes, Andy, there you go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, Andy, he's, got, he's got all the votes plus one.
0: Andy, have you been able to uh, use your uh, chief of staff on any of these Zoom calls when you need a little extra, you know, oomph in one of these calls and get Ed Reed on a, on a video chat with a kid if you need to?
4: Absolutely. You know, he's been fantastic as a part of the staff. Just speaking from that personal experience, and I think that's been huge uh, for the kids, especially with the parents. Speaking about his time uh, at the University of Miami, why he chose to come here, you know, obviously he's a—he's not a South Florida guy, so I think he's been amazing to have on those those Zoom calls and just that experience. You know, beyond the wild wow factor of talking to one of the greatest of all time, I think he's so down-to-earth and, and easy to talk to that I think that translates really well to the kids and to the parents, and he's a great ambassador for this program and this university. So
3: Andy, thanks, man. This has uh, been great. We don't always get to talk kind of behind the scenes, you know, and we didn't break any violations. Today, I know you know that handbook inside and out. We did we did real well today on that.
4: Yeah, we, yeah. It we, changes about every five minutes, so we have to stay on top of it. But yeah, I'm I'm glad to get on here anytime. And-
2: fascinating recruiting stuff there with the Joe Rose Show. Now a taste of the fascinating Dan Lebitard. Why were you talking during the break
5: about the idea of hookers, basketball hookers uh, outside of the bubble in Orlando?
2: Ooh, that juicy, juicy just five minutes away here on the Best of the Joe Show. This is the Best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. That's our Hump Day song, Hump to Bump by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Ooh, Dan Levitard. They're in midweek form right here, right now, talking about Asterix, championships, the LeBron James game, and oh yeah, get ready for it, NBA bubble
5: whores. How are we going to remember these championships? Like I remember that Tony Gwynn was denied something when there was a work stoppage. I remember that those Montreal Expos, they had the best team in the sport. They were denied something when there was a work stoppage. I think while we spend a lot of time talking about LeBron and the window closing, there is the real possibility that Milwaukee will lose Giannis as a free agent if they don't win the championship I don't know if I'm going to remember what could have been because of circumstances the way that I think of the James Harden Russell Westbrook Kevin Durant team that could have been something Serge Ibaka could have been something for 10 years but wasn't for a variety of different reasons Milwaukee is in a really perilous place here I only think they lose Giannis if they don't win the title and I think they were really in prime position position to win the title but these factors make it so that we might get this mutated thing that knocks out a whole bunch of players after the end of which we're going to be like well none of that was fair that doesn't seem at least we have the illusion basketball does a better job of measuring who was the best team than right. all the other sports sure we have the illusion that the best team wins in the other sports as well. Football, baseball, even if it's not true, even if the playoffs are random. But football gives you a true champion by and large. Rare is the time that Toronto wins simply because Golden State physically fell apart. It doesn't give you upsets. That Milwaukee team this year has been totally overwhelming. It has its postseason weaknesses, But it's been totally overwhelming. What we're about to throw into the water here Mm -hmm. is going to be a totally distorted unknown that make like we might have like a weird champion just because the the entire thing
6: is so distorted i'm not certain what to do with it because we've had shortened seasons and we're fine you know the heat had one they won a title so we're we're okay with that but this is what makes this interesting to me is you now have first off you have coronavirus right they're playing in a bubble there are no fans there's really no no home court advantage but you also have lebron james or Giannis with three months of rest before the nba playoff start but that's like another. i suspect lebron's gonna and this is saying a lot will be in the best shape he's ever been but, in entering a but postseason no, but
5: stugatz this is where it gets all distorted maybe maybe in the case of him but first of all you're gonna have all manner of weird injuries because this isn't the way that these guys prep for the physical gruel that is what we're about to embark on but beyond what's happening here I have no idea what kind of shape any of these guys are in. Like, no idea whether the Milwaukee Bucks that are returning are going to be the same Milwaukee Bucks because they've all been training on their own in a way that would be uh, vigorous, even though they couldn't uh, train with each other.
1: In the Bundesliga, injuries were up 200% because they started putting the fixtures super tight together.
6: At one point, didn't Giannis say he hadn't taken a shot in like two months? Yeah, because he didn't have a hoop you know, in his mouth. This is crazy. You're right. There's going to be but freakish things but what, that happen.
5: What a, but when the freakish things happen, are you going to honor them? Are you going to remember them as anything other than an oh. anomaly? Are you going to remember them as just a symbol of the most distorted time in our
6: lives? Am I allowed to wait and see what happens before I answer that? Um, of course. That's the way you always <laughs> That's do That's sports radio answer. I mean, me and Billy were discussing, and I do find it funny, like, I think LeBron is currently going through the Lakers roster, and he is convincing the guys that he doesn't want to make this title run with to stay at home. It's safer there. Like, I think he convinced Avery Bradley. And then what I think you'll have is a bunch of guys like Mario Chalmers waiting outside the Orlando bubble saying, hey, I'm free, I'm available. I mean, this could be interesting where all of a sudden LeBron James is showing up, not with Avery Bradley, but with John Stockton and the mailman. Wait, wait. Ass.
1: Is LeBron James already wor- three steps ahead, thinking that you're gonna put an asterisk next to this title? So he, much like he changed the math by only winning one in Cleveland, but we hold it in high regard. If he wins one with Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith, it's an achievement.
5: Personal record books Dugant, if LeBron wins, how many is it worth if LeBron wins with J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters?
6: Uh he wins uh he wins two. He wins two in one season. There's a couple steps here. This is what he does.
7: First, he tries to convince you not to come. Now, if you don't agree to not come, what he does is, and I'll tell you, because this happened to me from experience when I was a West Kendall Optimist All-Star, what they do is they tell you a different time to the game, right? And then when you get to the game at that time, the game actually started two hours earlier and the coach's son was already there and he replaced you on the All-Star team and he had the uniform already. (laughs) That
5: happened to you? That's a thing that actually happened to you? Who did that to you? The father or the son?
7: Coach. Felon, an apropos name.
5: (laughs) Why were you talking during the break about... The idea of hookers, basketball hookers uh, outside of the bubble in Orlando.
6: Well, Billy and I, again, we were discussing earlier, uh, earlier. We think LeBron is up to something where he is scouring his roster and he is saying, like, Avery Bradley, we don't need you. I can upgrade. And so it expanded into a conversation where you have guys who have, you know, recently retired or still can give you something in any given moment, and maybe they haven't won a title, and they're standing outside the bubble just waiting, offering their services to Giannis or LeBron. Now, in Mario Chalmers, in his case, he has won a couple of titles. But I could see him out there offering his services on the streets just outside the bubble. And I think there might be some coaches waiting there. Like, God forbid, one of these coaches, older coaches, gets sick. And then, boom, Stan Van Gundy, basketball hooker, is waiting there to take over. How about that? Uh, is hooker still okay
5: in 2020? We used to call Stan Van Gundy basketball streetwalker. See, here's the thing. Like, sex worker is a different uh, word, a uh, different phrase... But you can't call them basketball sex workers because that just muddies the waters on what it is you're explaining here. Basketball streetwalker? Like, what are you talking about? If Mario Chalmers is outside of the bubble yeah. and his body is for sale to play basketball for whoever needs him, uh, whoever it is that has money and has a need, has a certain urge for a certain kind of. Th- so what, what am I calling these people? Basketball prostitute? What, what is the problem? I think word-
6: basketball prostitutes is probably All right, so you've the got, right you to go. Outside
5: the bubble, you've got basketball prostitutes. I'm sorry it took me so long okay. to get there. Who who do you have out there? Because Avery Bradley's a good player. I don't think LeBron wants to actually go from Avery Bradley to J.R. Smith or Dion Waiter. Well,
6: you can't take anyone from a current team who's not attending the bubble. So it has to be guys like Demarcus Cousins. It has to maybe be guys who would never want a well, title. cousin
5: says he's not doing it. All right, cousin so maybe. He's not
6: I mean, anybody. I can see Stockton roaming those streets. Again, with the mailman <laughs> in Stockton. The mailman might
7: be out there. You could always also just say free agents. You don't have to call them hookers or prostitutes. They're just free agents. You
5: know? No, but he's got them outside selling their talents, yes. selling their abilities, selling their bodies for the highest bidder. Like, he's he's got it as a
6: form of prostitution. Like, Chalmers is out there saying, like, hey, baby, you need someone to blame LeBron, in case you lose tonight. LeBron, you want to feel good at the end of the season?
5: LeBron, you want to feel good? Mario, make you feel good. Now I cross the line. Line. now the really li-
1: strange turn.
5: Now the yeah. line is crossed. Yeah. It took a strange turn. We it started at basketball prostitutes. Yeah. Where is the strange turn that was taken? We had- <laughs>
6: <laughs> Now it's taken a
5: strange you just, turn?
7: You take these things too far, Dan.
6: <laughs> I didn't take it anywhere. I mean, Billy and I just planted <laughs> a seed. I mean, that's
5: this really- is not me taking that somewhere. <laughs> this is you and
2: Stugat creating a fire on the show and then blaming me when the show gets a venereal disease. Always an interesting take and look at things with the Dan Lebetard Show weekdays from 10 to 1 here on 560 The Joe. Next, Hawk and Dono. Gonna look at the two big sports stories of the day. The best of The Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day and what's that? Music from the Grady's? up Tears for Fears, shout, happy birthday, Tears for Fears. Bassist and backing vocalist, Kurt Smith, 59 today. Someone else that loves the 80s, Hawk Crowder. Doesn't love the 80s so much, but he's out right now with his baby. Dono's filling in. Dono loves the 80s too, and they're talking about the two big sports issues facing us today.
7: Major League Baseball is back. We know what the season's going to look like now. In fact, I even saw a... uh over under win total for all the MLB teams. Miami Marlins, you want to guess what their over under on wins for the season are? What is it, a 60 game season? 60 game season. 60 game season. It's a reported schedule of 40 games versus division opponents, 20 versus interleague opponents. You want to guess what the. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is out yeah. of the blue because, yeah, I mean, but uh, over under on wins for the Miami Marlins. This is according to uh, Bet Online.
1: 26 and a half.
7: Very close. You want to guess, Solana? 25 and a half. It's 24 and a half. Sure. 24 and a half. So not, uh, let's see, from highest to least, they are at the very, very bottom. There's only two teams that have lower win totals going into the season than the Miami Marlins. It's the Baltimore Orioles and the Detroit Tigers, who have their over-under set at 21 and a half. And then you've got the Marlins and the Royals at 24 and a half. It goes up from there all the way up to the Dodgers and Yankees who have 38 and a half. There you go. There's your over under win totals for baseball. But so two major stories that are dominating sports and and really the NASCAR story is beyond the world of sports. But that is the other story. You got the return of baseball and then you've got the FBI findings that got released last night that the noose hanging in the garage of Bubba Wallace's car was not specific specifically directed at Bubba Wallace okay I just want to address this briefly my thoughts on it and uh I happen to think by the way that both things are good news, that MLB is coming back, it's good news. And the fact that it wasn't a specific hate crime directed at a current driver in NASCAR, that I think is good news, right? I think because it really turns your stomach when you think it was directed specifically at this man who said, I don't want a Confederate flag flying at NASCAR events. I'm wrapping my car in Black Lives Matter. You, it, it made people sick right me included mm-hmm. that 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 you know obvious um sign of racial hatred uh, would be directed at him. so I think it's good news but I will say this I and I don't know if you saw like did you see him on Don Lemon on CNN last night? I did not see him on. I uh, know. Actually, I did see a clip of it. I didn't see the full a clip. Yeah, I, I saw a clip, it on clip Twitter too today. Yeah, yeah, and and there was. Uh, uh, they did have some video of what the noose was that was hanging in the garage, and so I just want to say this: it is unmistakable. It's a noose. There is no debate. It was a noose. Now, the fact that it was there for a year, does that make it any better? I mean, I guess if you want to say it's not directed at him, but still, I think it does speak to a greater problem that a noose and Confederate flags were commonplace in NASCAR garages up until this time right now of hypersensitivity since the George Floyd protests have begun. So, uh I think there's some positive, I think there's some negative. I actually thought Colin Cowherd had a couple good tweets on it last night. He tweeted, "Why did NASCAR report the story of the noose before an investigation?" Yep. A. They were horrified at the information. B. They had seen some ugliness and pushback on the Confederate flag removal, and C, they are sensitive about their reputation, and then D, get ahead of the story, not react if the story breaks. So I don't really blame NASCAR. We listened, uh, Dono and I were listening, uh, Andrew bogish did his little CBS Sports Radio Minute before we came on the air, and he said that NASCAR should have had qualifiers in their press release when it uh, originally came out, that a noose was found, that it, that it, it should have said said something along the lines of we think a noose might have been found we'll get back and and I don't agree with that a noose was found I saw the video it's a noose now whether someone fashioned a garage pole into the shape of a noose that's a whole different story but it's still pretty repugnant in my mind a noose is unmistakable there's not a lot of different ways to tie a rope that looks similar to a noose it looked like a noose it was a noose am i happy that it wasn't directed at bubba wallace yes do i feel even a little bit relieved yes but do i think that there was a greater problem that nascar is trying to get rid of 100 yes and I think them getting out in front of the story, like Colin Cowherd tweeted there, them getting out in front of it, we're not going to react to it anymore. We're not going to let other people say, oh, this is racism. This was racial we're going to get in front of the story because this matters to us. I think that was a really good sign from NASCAR. So I do feel a little relieved that it wasn't directed at Bubba Wallace. It gives you maybe a little bit more faith in humanity. But I don't I don't think it lessens the fact that there was indeed a noose hanging in one of the garages. My well,
1: and my, my, my big takeaway, um, the first thing you said, the relief that it wasn't specifically directed at him because, like, it's bad enough some of what you see certain NASCAR fans doing, you know, upset that they can't bring their Confederate flags. Someone flew that banner plane, Mm -hmm. you know, with the Confederate flag saying cancel NASCAR, but, you know, had the noose thing actually been directed at him, that would tell you that, hey, this is probably somebody actually involved in the circuit, like one of his peers, or someone who works on the cars of his peers, who would be directly going after him when they're on the circuit with Bubba I'm sure a lot of the a lot of the drivers are very friendly with him so I thought what was horrifying was the idea that someone who is one of his peers or among his peers would have been capable of doing something like that so it's why like you know and 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 like you said there's obviously a a problem with NASCAR that goes beyond the specific act but I, I am really relieved to hear that that thing was not deliberately placed there to go after him because that would have been someone who
7: you know would be a lot closer to him than just the fans of the sport right that would have had to have been an inside job and if it was new and directed at him right on the heels of everything that had been happening, you just felt so ugly. And uh, and it's a little bit of a relief to know that that wasn't the exact case there. So so I do think there's, there's some good news in that, and, and I obviously am happy that baseball is coming back. Even we talked about it the last couple of days where, you know, it's not my favorite sport in the world, but a 60-game season is more appealing to me than a 162-game season.
2: That's going to about do it. Remember to download the podcast for absolutely free. Follow me on Twitter at Dan day Radio and have a killer rest of your day. Let's do it tomorrow again, 6 o'clock right here on 560 The Joe. This is The Best of The Joe Show. Later, slug. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G
0: network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.